get it, get out of here. Put the sun in your face. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning again. Good morning. <laughs> we had a little technical problem this morning, so we're checking things real fast. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. Thank you. Thank you. I got the thumbs up. That means we're good to go. You guys having a good day so far? Yes. Yeah? I always love when it's Easter and it's good weather. That just, to me, goes hand in hand. Um, excited to hang out this morning. Uh, you guys know what to say if I say he is risen? He is risen indeed. Let's try it one more time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, it's such a good morning. Um, why don't we stand up together and let, let's sing. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory. The King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Who brings our chaos? Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan, our son and daughter, the King of glory, the King above all kings? Who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you laid down your life. Worthy, 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 God. This is amazing grace. 
sure you can say it any better than that. Jesus, this morning, we stand here, we sing for everything that you've done in my life. Everything you've done as we celebrate the resurrection this weekend, um, as we celebrate, um, as we just celebrate Jesus this morning. So let's keep singing.
moon and stars they wept. The morning sun was dead. The Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, His blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon Him. One final breath. One final breath he gave. As heaven looked away, the Son of God was laid in darkness. A battle in the grave, the war on death was waged. The power of hell forever.
to go ahead and grab a seat. Good morning, church. Good morning. What a beautiful day it is outside for so many reasons. And I am so glad to see each and every one of you here. And this morning, you know, I was just thinking about what the significance of this day was. And for everyone here, you are here for a reason. You're not just here to come to church on a Sunday or because it's a special day. But God wanted you here today. He wanted you here because he loves you so much. You are so special to him, and he wanted to spend this day with you. And for everyone watching on Facebook and YouTube, the same goes for you. He had a purpose and a reason for you to get up this morning, to wake up again, and to be here to listen. I was listening to a song this morning, and it said um, that he clothes the lilies of the valleys. How much more will he clothe you? If he cares about every um, sparrow in the sky, how much more does he care about you? And that's the purpose of Easter. He cared about you so much that he gave his life for you. Okay, for you, for you, for you, for you. If you were the only one, he would have done it. He would have done it. And you, yes, <laughs> yes. He loves you so much. His love is unimaginable. We can't even comprehend what he's done or what he will do for you. He loves us that much. And so I'm so happy you guys are here today to hear that. If you've never heard it before, man, Jesus died for you. He loves you that much. So here at SVC, we are all about family groups, connections, and, um, oh, and the phone app. Sorry, I got to talk about that first. So normally I would never, I would say, okay, you guys, turn your phones off, turn your ringers off, you know, put your phones away. But today I want you to pull your phone out. And if you've never downloaded our SVC app, I want you to go to the App Store or Google Play and get our SVC app. And the reason is we have all kinds of announcements, service opportunities. All of our groups are there. You can even tithe on our, our app. So it looks just like that. You can click virtual church and watch on Sundays, our live stream. And we also want to invite you to like our Facebook page. We post content all week long, and we want to interact with you. Pastor Gary will put a cool song or a book recommendation or something, and we want to interact with you all day because church isn't just about Sunday, right? We're family all week long. So download our app, like us on Facebook, give us a shout-out. Everyone at home do the same thing, and we can connect all week. So on the Facebook app, you can click connection, and you can see all the small groups that we have going on. And we're going to be starting up a bunch of small groups again after Easter. And at SVC, we, our priority is connection. Our priority is connection because I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, sometimes I'll come to this big group and I'll be like, there's a lot of people here. It's hard to meet people. But our small groups are a terrific way for you to um, get close to people in the church. And your small group really becomes like your sisters, your brothers, your family. You know, you can go, you can talk about things that are on your heart. You know, they'll pray with you about things. Um, you know, I was just talking to my mom yesterday about how when something happens to one of us in the church, you guys, we get on it. We provide meals. You know, people are at your house in, installing security things. I like got the Skinner's house. I mean, we love each other 
all week long. So make sure that you get into a connection group so that you can become a part of that. Okay, so Pastor Gary is starting a brand new sermon series on April 11th. It's called John. It's all about John. And it's for God so love the world. And this is going to be such a terrific sermon series to talk about um, the life of Jesus. You know, what was it like whenever um, he first started his ministry? And then how did that translate to this famous verse, for God so love the world? And so Gary's going to preach for about four weeks on John, for God so love. So we want to invite you back next week, April 11th, to do that. All right. So, you know, we um, just came up here and we were worshiping and singing. And right now we have the privilege to continue our worship with our giving. See, we believe giving is an act of worship because it honors and glorifies God. And it gives us a chance to support the mission of the church and the mission of, of what we're supposed to be doing, making disciples. So we get to participate in seeing people's lives changed into those disciples and become more like Jesus. So we want to thank all of you who give so generously to SVC. And there's four ways you can give. You can give online at solanovalley.org backslash giving. Tap give on the SVC app that you just downloaded. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. Or you can text give to 707-883-3019. And if you're in the building today, you can drop your check into the silver slot in the back of the, right behind the sound booth, if you'd rather do that. And then after service, I want you to stick around. I know when you guys walked in, I know all the kids saw the Easter baskets. I know you did. And I know you saw this picture wall over here. And so if you're like me, I'm a mom who never gets in any pictures. I'm always taking the pictures, right? But here's a chance for you to have a beautiful family picture. So stick around after church and take a picture in front of our picture booth. And then every family is going to get an Easter basket to take home with you. It's got some books. It's got a Bible for you to keep and one for you to give away to somebody. It has um, an escape room game in it, some candy, all kinds of stuff. And we might have a little a secret special person that's going to come take pictures with you over at the at the photo booth all right so we know that today is all about jesus everything about today is for jesus but we also know that it's fun to kind of you know celebrate this easter holiday and so we have the easter bunny who's going to be coming after service to take pictures with you at the photo wall if you want to and um you know just to celebrate all about Jesus. So thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to introduce Pastor Gary to you and he's going to come up and he's going to lead us today. So thanks guys. All right. Thank you, Kimberly. Really appreciate you. Appreciate all you do for our church. Uh, Kimberly just does so much. She really does. And so she was over here yesterday setting some things up for, uh, with joy, uh, just getting ready for today. And thank you, Tweet. I appreciate that. So, and then my wife, she helps in so many ways. Uh, so, uh, yeah, hey, thank you so much for being with us today. We're so glad, so, so glad you chose to be with us. If you're with us through YouTube, if you're with us through uh, Facebook, we're really super, super grateful you're with us today. Matt, good to see you, buddy. Well, I guess I can't see you, but I am really glad you're joining us this morning. Uh, miss you very much. This is the first time, I don't know, like, yeah, like 
20, when did we start? I can't remember. We started in 94, September, September 94. So this is my first Easter not to spend with Matt in all that time. It feels kind of, feels kind of strange. So, hey, Matt. Hey, Carolyn. Hey, girls. Glad you're with us today. So, um, so really appreciate y'all being here. Uh, today what we're going to do is I'm going to read for you, and I, w- I want to just let the Scriptures speak to us. Because I think the Bible has a message. And it's better, it's better than any message that anybody else is going to share. It is. There are a lot of people, a lot of guys like me preaching, teaching this morning. But the most important message you're going to hear is what does the Bible say? So we're going to read that together. But before we read it, I want to give you a little bit of context that might be helpful for you uh, as we go into it. And so uh, I've got a, a couple of pictures up here. On the left, anybody know what this is, the left picture? Anybody? No? Okay, that, it's an ossuary. It's an ossuary. It's a bone box, okay? It's a bone box. This particular picture of this bone box right here had an engraving on it. And the engraving said, Jesus, excuse me, it said, James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus, okay? And it's actually dated to the first century uh, A.D., so it actually came from the time frame of Jesus, and uh, it was judged that the box was authentic from when it's from, but the inscription was a forgery, okay? And the guy who forged it got in big trouble. Uh, but So it's not really, really the bone box of, of, um, uh, of James, the brother of Jesus, uh, but I remember when it came out like 20 years ago and everybody was like, whoa, what is, you know. So, so uh, I wanted to show you that. And then to the right, uh, if you don't recognize this, this is a picture taken from inside the, the garden tomb. I've actually uh, visited this tomb many, many years ago. I say many years ago. It wasn't that long, I guess. But it was back in uh, 2015. Went there with a buddy of mine, Paul Knoll, one of my spiritual mentors. Uh, but we spent some time together in Israel. And uh, there are two grave sites that are pretty popular that people visit that think may have been the burial place of Jesus. There are several things that, say, that, that indicate that this very possibly could have been the place, but we don't know for sure. But the reason I wanted you to, to see this is because it's kind, of underst- it's kind of important for understanding what happens in John chapter 20. In a tomb, a tomb was normally, if it was prepared for a rich person, and Jesus was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, who was a very, very rich Jew in the day of Jesus. And, and so the tomb was carved into this limestone, I don't know, quarry, whatever, and, um, and then they would put a little groove beside the tomb, and they would have this massive, huge, round stone that they would roll in that groove so that it sealed the covering okay and it was the stone was so big it took several men just to roll it and uh and when you would walk into the tomb all right kids this is going to be a little bit weird but bear with me okay when you would walk into the tomb there was a little table uh, that was carved there in the stone where they would lay the body of the deceased person and so you lay the body there, you wrapped him with linen cloth with certain kinds of aloes and spices and, and, and things of that nature. And then they would, leave, uh, they would leave the body there for a year until the soft tissue would decay. And then they would take the bones after that. They would put it in the bone box or the ossuary. And then they would, there were these little like antechambers off to the sides from the main chamber 
and they would, that's where they would put the bone boxes. And so a family would own a tomb, and there would be a number of people would share that tomb. And that's kind of the way they did it. So I wanted to, to share that with you uh, before we read about what's going to happen today in the tomb of Jesus. In uh, John chapter 20, uh, in John chapter 20, and I'm going to read this for you from the NIV text. I'm reading from the NIV just because it's a little bit more readable. And a lot of you, I know, read, use the NIV uh, version of the Bible. But um, <clears throat> I'm reading from John chapter 20, and I'm just going to read the whole chapter for you. I'm just going to let the scripture speak, all right? Uh, in John chapter 20, uh, the Bible says this. It says, early on the first day of the week, this would have been Sunday, uh, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, one of the early followers of Jesus. Real quick, just let me tell you a little bit about Mary Magdalene. Our first introduction to her is in Luke chapter 8. She is listed among several different, uh, very prominent, uh, apparently wealthy Jewish women who were supporters of the ministry of Jesus. And according to Luke chapter 8, verse 2, she had been possessed by seven demons. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. So Mary Magdalene, and by the way, Mary Magdalene in all four Gospels was present. We see her present at the crucifixion of Jesus. She's one of the last people there in each of those four Gospels. She's named by name in three of the Gospels. And in Luke 24, she isn't named by name, but she's named. It talks about the women who went to the tomb, and we assume that Mary was one of those women. It just kind of says... Uh, highlights the women in general. But in every case, wherever Mary's name is named uh, with, with, at, the, at, the, uh, at, the, at the tomb, she, her name is always in first place. So apparently she was kind of like, kind of like Peter was kind of like the leader among the disciples, except for Jesus, obviously. She was kind of like the leader among the women. That's kind of what uh, many, the way many people read this. So it's early, the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, and she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Real quick aside here. The other disciple, who's not named here, the one Jesus loved, throughout the Gospel of John, John never names himself. And so here he just references himself, and he does this a couple of different places, as the one Jesus loved. As if more important than my name is that I'm loved by Jesus. By the way, most important thing about you, your name is a good thing. It is. It's important. Most important thing about you is that you're loved by Jesus. So she came running to Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He, he bent over and looked in at the strips of, of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him, and he went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of, of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw 
and believed. If you have your Bible open, I would underline those words. By the way, the word believe is used in the Gospel of John. I went through and I counted every one of them. It's in there a whole lot. Okay, It's been a while since I've done that, but it's like 90 or 100 times. Believe is, you just see it over and over again. John, you know, he comes in behind Peter. It says he saw and he believed. They still did not understand from the Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Uh, they've taken away my Lord. Excuse me. Uh, thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, it, it, where am I at? <laughs> verse 15. All right. Thanks. I'm glad, I'm glad someone's paying attention. All right. Verse 15. He, he said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, sir if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them uh, that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with them, and, and with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Verse 24. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, which just means the twin, now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. 
Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. If, um, if I were, I'm not an artist, okay? I'm not an artist. My, my youngest daughter is. She's pretty incredible. I don't know if any of y'all have seen uh, any of her art before, but uh, even one tattoo that she has is, is a tattoo that she designed. Uh, she made a painting of it, and uh, it's, it's about how God gave her victory uh, over her and brought her out of an eating disorder that was very, very serious. But she is this wonderful, incredible um, artist, and, and, and that symbol on her arm represents the saving work of God in her life. And if I were going to paint for myself uh, like a portrait, and I were going to paint a portrait of my faith and how God has worked in my life, I, I was, I've been thinking about this, and I'm like, I, I just don't know what I would paint. I mean, there are so many different times in my life, so many different times in my life where I've seen God work. And trying to think of, well, which one is the most important? I'm like, well, they're all important. I wouldn't be where I'm at today if any one of those things were missing. And I was thinking about this, and I thought about, well, one of those, one of those paintings, uh, if I was going to paint a portrait of me that depicted my faith, one would be of me when I was a very little boy. I would have been, you know, just a little guy. I was maybe, I don't know, like four or five years old at the time. A very vivid memory that I have. And in, in for me, the, the painting would probably look like this. The, the, the portrait would probably look like this. It would, be, uh, it would be a painting of me kneeling by my bed with my mom kneeling beside me. And earlier that evening, I'd actually been watching a sermon by Billy Graham on TV. And I remembered as I listened to Billy Graham, I knew and I understood in my heart that I was a sinner. I knew that I had sinned against God. I knew that there were times that I disobeyed my parents a lot. <laughs> I said at times. That's kind of like uh, a lot of times, okay? Even as a little kid, I knew that sometimes I disobeyed my parents. I knew that as uh, I understood, even as a, a little kid, that, that sometimes I wasn't nice to my sister. Now, I was always nicer to her than she was to me. But I wasn't, I wasn't always nice to her, okay? Let's just say that, all right? And, uh, and I understood, I understood that I could be selfish. I understood that I had a problem with what the Bible calls sin. And I also knew this, and I understood this, is I understood that Jesus went to the cross. That he, um, he went to the cross and he was nailed to the cross and he bore my sin on the cross. And not just my sin, but the sins of all people. And then on the cross, he endured the wrath of God. And he did all of this because of his great love for me and people like me. People who need a Savior. 
And I understood that, 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 that Jesus, even though he died on the cross, and even though he was buried, he didn't stay in the grave. I understood clearly that, 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 that he was raised again from the dead, that he defeated sin, the power of sin, and he defeated death. And I understood at that moment that if I put my faith, my trust, my belief in him, that he would save me. And so that painting would be a picture of me praying next to my bed with my mom uh, and putting my faith in Jesus. Now, in my life, there have been other times, other ways. I, I look back in my teen years, and I went through some time in my preteens and my early teen years where I had been mistreated by some guys who were bullies in my life. It was very humiliating. It was very, very humiliating. And, um, and it, was, it was something that because of the, the guys that were, were doing this, I felt very, very alone. And in that aloneness, I learned... Uh, a kind of a contempt for myself because I, I felt so helpless and unable to help myself and I felt so deeply ashamed that I needed the help of another person but I didn't know how to ask for help and I didn't know who to, to ask. And out of that, that, that in this pain and this sadness and this isolation, there was this growing resentment and anger and bitterness uh, towards these people and towards other people as well. And and uh, I remember as I got a little bit older, I started smoking a lot of dope and uh, anything to numb the pain. I don't know if any of y'all have ever had that experience, but but I was doing whatever I could to numb the pain in my heart. But it didn't work because when I was, you know, when 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 I was not under the influence, all that pain was still there. And so I remember when I was 16 years old. I remember I, I saw some young people who had this exciting walk with Jesus. And I looked and I thought, man, and, and I saw them a sense of meaning and purpose. And they didn't have all the turmoil in their lives that I had in mine. And I just, I remember, again, I prayed a prayer similar to what I did as a child, a little bit different. But I just said, you know, Lord Jesus, I have made a mess of my life. And I have been hurt and I am angry, but I have become bitter. And I'm looking at all these other things to numb the, the poison of this bitterness and pain in my heart, and it's not working. And I'm making a wreck of my life. And if you can make a difference in my life, I ask you to do that. And I prayed that prayer. It was uh, just after Christmas, 1975, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in a hotel there. And, and so maybe that would be the portrait and, and there have been other experiences through my life, portraits of faith. And what I want to share with you today is I want, to, I want to talk about four portraits of faith, if I can, from John chapter 20, because I believe these portraits are important. And each one is important in a different way and for a different reason. But it all drives us to two verses that are hugely important and significant for you today. In, in the first portrait of, uh, that I want to paint for you is, is the portrait of John. It's John. And when I say I want to paint it, actually it's John the, the, uh, uh, the Apostle. John the Evangelist who wrote the Gospel of John, who actually paints this picture for us. But the first picture is the, the faith of John. And what, what happens when we read through John chapter 20 is that, that 
Mary Magdalene has gone to the tomb, and she's gone there for the purpose of continuing the preparations on the rushed that had been rushed a couple of days before, but of, of Jesus. And she's on her way there. And when she gets there in verse 1, it says that the stone had been removed. Now, folks, that word removed is an important word. It's important for so many reasons. But one thing I want you to understand about this is, is it doesn't say the, the stone was rolled away. It says the stone was removed. And the Greek word is iro, and it means to actually lift something up. To pick it up and carry it away. Meaning that this wasn't just kind of rolled in the groove. It was lifted out of the groove. We don't know how far. But it was like, boom, it was gone. That massive stone that took several men to roll into place was just, it was moved in a way that can't, couldn't be explained by a person just doing it. And... And it's the tomb is empty. And, and so seeing the empty tomb, you know, Mary Magdalene's trying to make sense of all of this. And so she runs back and she tells Peter and she tells John that the tomb is empty. Someone has carried the body of Jesus away. And Peter and John do exactly what you and I would do is, is they take off running to go see what's happened. And what we read is that John runs ahead of Peter, probably a little bit younger, faster, gets there first. And he runs up to the tomb, close enough to look in, but he doesn't go in. Now, going into a tomb is kind of scary anyway, so I don't blame him. And, and you're like, you know, it feels like a sacred and holy place, and you don't want to just go in there. And so he... he uh, he stops and looks in and sees the linen wrappings there. And then Peter comes running up behind him. And when Peter comes running up behind him, he goes right past John and he goes straight into the tomb. It's exactly the way I picture Peter. You know, he's a guy who's in a hurry. If you're in his way, <laughs> you better look out because he'll probably shove you to the side. But when he's going somewhere, he's going to get there. And nobody's going to stop him. And he goes running in. And, and it's, it's really fascinating because it says that, it says Peter came in behind him. This is verse 6. Went straight in. And it says he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. Now, um, real quick, real quick, real quick. Uh, it says that he saw. And, again, I'm, I apologize. I am a Bible nerd. Okay, we know this, right? Yeah, I'm a Bible nerd. All right? And I like to nerd out on things that, that – and, and, but – that, but Peter, it says that, that he saw, and, and this is how he saw. He, he, it says that the, the, the Greek verb is teoreo. Now, some of you, you know that word, don't you? Teoreo? You've heard that word before. You've heard the word theory. Have you heard that word theory? Yeah? Or you've heard the word theorize, the verb form? Well, this is the verb form in Greek, theoreo. It's to theorize. It means to look trying to make sense of what you see because everything that Peter is seeing does not make sense. I'll explain to you why. I'll explain to you why it doesn't make sense. Any, anybody ever watched the TV show Monk? Has anybody ever seen that, that TV show Monk? I like Monk. I do. I, I, I've been watching it lately. I have. 
And I, I like his character, and he's obsessive-compulsive, and I kind of get that. I'm not obsessive-compulsive like he is, but I am obsessive-compulsive about some things, like Greek. And, and I nerd out about some things, and, and he's, he's that, but he is more than that. He is like, you know, he's, well, he's a germaphobe. I'm not. Uh, I will eat stuff off the floor, okay? I'm just telling you. Uh, <laughs> you know, move over, dog. I'll eat that, you know. <laughs> I don't even pick it up. I just get down there on my teeth and bite it right off the floor. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. But, 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 but I'm not a germaphobe, but I, I can be obsessive compulsive. I can be. And, um, and, and, but he, beyond that is that he sees everything everybody else sees. And then he sees what nobody else sees. And he sees it like in great detail, and he sees it immediately. And he'll go into a crime scene, and he'll have his hands like this, almost like he's speed reading a book. And he kind of speed reads the crime scene with his hands, and he'll wave them around. And then he'll turn, and he'll look at the captain, the police captain, and he'll say, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. See, everybody else, they've got everything figured out. But they've figured it out wrong. And then he says, it doesn't make sense. And then he sees that one thing that helps him solve the case. And when Peter runs in, it doesn't make sense. Now, I I brought a second Bible here because it's bigger and thicker and I wanted to look spiritual. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It, this is my ESV study Bible. It's a great little study help uh, that I would encourage you to buy if you don't have. ESV study Bible, by the way, this one's a little bit bigger, a little bit thicker because it's large print. All right? Not saying anything about my eyes, but, uh, but, but in it, and, and I wanted to read from you, for you from the ESV. Now, when I study the scriptures, I will read a text many, many times. So, like, I don't know, I'll read it 20 30 times, maybe sometimes more, depends upon what I'm reading. And, and I'll go through, and then I'll read it in multiple translations. Why do I read it in multiple translations? Is because, well, like the NIV is a little bit more readable, okay? And it has a little different translation uh, philosophy. And what it tries to do is it tries to translate uh, idea by idea. But the ESV study Bible, or the ESV Bible, it, it looks at things a little bit more literally and tries to translate word by word as opposed to idea by idea. That means that the NIV oftentimes is very, very readable, but sometimes you can lose a little bit of stuff in translation. The ESV oftentimes feels kind of wooden. It almost doesn't feel like English. Uh, but you see things that you wouldn't see otherwise. And in, in, by the way, New American Standard, very similar to the ESV here. And the New Living Translation, that's a lot like the NIV, very much idea for idea. They all pick up on something that the NIV kind of loses on this text. And what it is is this. In verse 7, it says this. It says, the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Now, that doesn't read very naturally in English. But it makes a point that you don't see in the NIV text. And the point is this. When he goes in and he sees the linen wrappings and he sees the face cloth, but it's folded. Now, that might seem unimportant to you when you read it. But this is very important. Because, see, when grave robbers go in and rob a grave, they don't take the burial cloth off and they don't fold it neatly and set it off to the side. They don't do that. 
They get the stone out of the way. They grab the body and they get the heck out of Dodge, especially when there's a Roman guard nearby. Peter walks in, runs in. It's not making sense. But John, John sees things a little bit differently. He's not trying to make sense of what he sees. He's just taking in what he sees. In verse 8, it says this, Finally, the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and what? He believed. He saw and believed. They still didn't understand from the Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. See, John is one of these guys that for him it's like the tomb is empty. Jesus is risen. Even though he doesn't understand the Scripture yet, even though he doesn't go through all the detail, it's just he believes. There's a second, second portrait I want you to see here. The portrait is of Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. And with Mary, it, it's fascinating. She, after Peter and John have left, she remains outside. She, she is crying, weeping, still grieving the loss of this man that she, she loved so much. A little bit more about Mary Magdalene. I told you about this a moment ago. It says that in Luke and also in Mark 16 that she had been, um, she had been healed, uh, that she had been possessed by seven demons. Now, the word seven uh, is often used to mean seven, okay? That's the way we use it, right? If I say seven, what does it mean? Two fingers and five fingers. It means seven, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and sometimes that's exactly the way the word, the, the number is used. But sometimes the, the number seven is used as a super, superlative by, by the Jews. It, it, it's a number that re- represents completion. And so what it could mean is she was literally possessed by seven demons, but it can also, a first century Jew would also read it and understand it to be this way. She was completely possessed. Not she was just kind of possessed, but this is the kind of possession that there's no hope for. She was completely possessed. This is the kind of possession you can't call your local exorcist exorcist and say, hey, would you cast this demon out of her? This is the kind of, of demon possession that is absolutely, completely hopeless. By the way, Jesus loves hopeless people. He loves saving them. He loves, as Joy likes to say, recycling bad for good in our lives. And that's what Jesus did for her. And so she loves him because of what he had done for her. And and she looks in and she sees two angels, not recognizing them as angels, probably thinking they're men. And and one of them says to her, woman, why are you crying? By the way, the word woman is is a term of respect. Uh, among the ancient Jews. Uh, today, nowadays, you know, if... <laughs> let me just put it this way. Guys, if you go home and you said you're a white woman, you won't do a wrath, okay? <laughs> uh, in, in, with the Jews, when you addressed a woman, woman, it'd be very similar to... I used to live and I worked in Hungary for a while, but in Hungarian, you would say, which means, I kiss your hand, my lady. And asanyom means my lady. It was a term of respect and honor. And, and so that's the way this word is used. It's like asanyom, my lady, woman. And, and, and they ask, they, they say to her, they, they say, 
woman, why are you crying? And, and she says, they've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they put him. And she turns around, and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't realize it's Jesus. Now, what's going on here could be it was still early in the morning, dark. You see the silhouette of a person, not clearly. You don't clearly see their face. Could be that. Could be that just in some supernatural way, God prevented her from recognizing him in that moment. Or it could be like an experience I had. The first time death touched my life in a really significant way. First time I sobbed at a funeral. I was 17 years old. It was my grandfather. My grandfather, I love my grandfather. He was a very gentle man. Hard-working rice farmer, worked hard all his life. Used to ride his horse out into the rice fields early in the morning before sunup. Work all day till sundown, then come back home. And I remember at his funeral, it was in a little town called Goodwin. I, literally, you've heard people say, blink and you'll miss it. If you don't blink and you drive through Goodwin, you'll still miss it, all right? <laughs> Seriously. You know, in Arkansas, we would call it a town. Here you would call it, I don't know what you'd call it. You'd call it, I don't know, it's like Mancus Corner. I mean, except it wasn't quite as busy as Mancus Corner. I mean, it's like there's nothing there except this little church. And the church was packed. Every seat was taken. People were crowded, standing room only throughout the entire church, not just the sanctuary. And people outside just standing present to honor my grandfather and our family. But I remember coming out of that church, and I remember walking out, and I was looking out towards Old Highway 70, which before they built Interstate 40, actually it was after, but uh, they built 40, but it used to be the major crossroad there east-west in that part of the country. And I remember walking out, and it was, it was dark. The, the, the sky was gray. The fields were gray because they had already been harvested, and it was cold. And I just remember just feeling this complete emptiness in my heart, and I remember just just beginning to dissolve. And in my field of vision, I can see a woman looking at me, but I'm not looking at anything or anybody because I'm just so stirred with grief. I don't recognize. And she comes to me and she just, she wrapped her arms around me and I wept. And it was a woman, Carolyn Fleming, who was a close friend of my mom. I had known her since, literally, I was in diapers. And, uh, but she, in, in the moment, it's like, I see, I recognize there's a person, but I can't recognize who it is because the grief is so great. But for whatever reason, whatever reason, Mary doesn't recognize him. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And she thinks he's a gardener. She says, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And then she said, he said to her, Mary. You know what it's like when someone calls your name? You know what it's like when you may not know uh, who a person is, but the moment they say your name, you know exactly who they are. And... She turns to him. She cries out in Aramaic Rabboni, which is kind of a more affectionate way of saying teacher. 
And, and then what Jesus does, he says, don't hold on to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. And, and I, I used to kind of struggle with this, but I, I think it's kind of like this. It's kind of like, you know, uh, you know, he's kind of like, you know, wrapped up in her arms, like, don't hold on to me. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's like I think about a mom who loses her little boy in a, a, a shopping mall, and she's searching everywhere for him, and it's been... It's been five minutes, and then it's 10, and it's 15, and 20, and she is feeling panic, and she finds him. And she grabs him, and he's like, let me go, you know? And she's like, no, you were lost, and now you're found. He's like, no, I wasn't lost. I knew where I was the whole time. I, I think Jesus is kind of like, hey, look, I'm not ascending just yet, okay? I've not yet ascended to my Father. I'm not, I have... I'm not ascending just yet, okay? Give, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. But go and tell my brothers that I'm ascending to, uh, to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And so what we have here is we, we see the faith of Mary, that, that she is, is grieved, but then she sees and she believe, believes in Jesus and she, she clings to him. Uh, two more, and I'll, I'll make these go a little bit faster. Two more, uh, two more portraits. Uh, the third portrait is of the disciples. Right? Can you see this? I mean, these guys are scared. It's later the same day. It's later the same day. They're scared. I would be too. I mean, they saw Jesus not just killed, but cruelly, cruelly, cruelly killed. I mean, the, the cross was torture. It was hideous. And they're like, hey, we could be next. And so they are hidden behind locked doors. Now, when it says locked doors, what that means, it could mean double doors, or what it could mean is they are in a building that's locked behind uh, another door that's locked. They are, like, locked away as securely as they can be. And suddenly, Jesus makes his entry. And, and what he says to them is he says this, he says, I love this. I love the way he, he greets them. Peace be with you. Why? Because they're probably, first of all, it's a normal greeting. But also, these guys are probably terrified. They probably need a little bit of peace. You know, it's only like three or four days before this that Jesus had said to them, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And his first greeting to them is, Peace be with you. And the guys, they see, he shows them his, his hands where he had, the nails had been. He shows them his side where they had thrust the, seer, uh, the spear into his side. And, and they see Jesus, they believe in him, and they are overjoyed. They believe. And then I want you to see, uh, I want you to see one more portrait of faith. It's Thomas. Now, I like Thomas. I do. I do. Because sometimes for me, faith is hard. Hard. I, I, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I, my faith sometimes is weak. And, and, and Thomas, you know, he's not present. And all the other guys are telling him, we have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. And he's hearing this probably not just once, but he's hearing it from every one of the guys. We've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. We've seen him, we've seen him, we saw his hands, we saw, we saw the, the, where they thrust the, the spear in. I mean, he's, he's alive, he's, he's alive from the dead. He's risen. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and then Thomas is like, 
Mm-mm. No. No, uh, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. My mama didn't raise any stupid children. I want to see for myself, and I'll believe. A few days later, actually one week later, the disciples again are in the house. Still, the doors are still locked, okay? Jesus appears to them again. Again, he says, peace be with you. Then he says to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach here. Put your hand into my side. And literally, be not unbelieving, but believe. Quit your unbelief and believe. Why is all this important? What is all of this, what is, is, what is John guiding us to? Now, I'm going to kick off a new series next week called For God So Loved. And we're going to look at the first four chapters of John. And we're going to see some, some highlights from each of those chapters. I'm looking forward to this. But when you read through the book of John, you see several signs important miracles that Jesus did that are significant in a very special way. They are meant to be like, um, it's meant to point us in a direction. And what John writes, John the Apostle, the evangelist, writes this. He says, Jesus performed many other signs Uh, in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, the Gospel of John. Now, we know of at least 35 miracles that Jesus did. John highlights seven, and then highlights the resurrection. He he says, there are many other signs that, that Jesus performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe. That you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. John, the Gospel of John, was written with a purpose. It was written with a purpose so that you would believe. That you would believe. This is where we begin to talk about the portrait of your faith. It was written so that you would believe. Now, the message of John is this. And most of you know it. You don't even know you know it. But the message of John is a simple message. And the message of John is simply this. For God so loved the world. That doesn't mean simply that God loves everyone collectively, which he does. But that means God loves each one individually. That means God so loved you. That God so loved you. That God so loved you and you and you and you and every single person. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. He gave His one and only Son that that Jesus, the fullness of God, Jehovah Elohim, 
the Lord God of the Old Testament, creator of the heavens and the earth. We'll see this in chapter 1. That that one, the God of gods, came to this planet in human flesh. That he was beaten, he was flogged, he was spit upon, he was insulted, he was stripped naked. A crown of thorns placed on his head. Nails driven through his hands and his feet to a cross. My sin and your sin. Every single thing you have ever said, I have ever said, ever done, ever thought, including today, was placed on Jesus in that moment. And he endured God's holy, holy, holy wrath. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him. Now, T, today, I want you to think about have you put your faith in Jesus? Now, real quick, I want to say something here. It's not a prayer of faith that saves a person. It is faith in Jesus by which we're saved. But a prayer of faith is a great way of articulating our faith in Jesus. And I want to share with you a, a little simple prayer. This is something like what I prayed as a child, a little bit different. Okay, because I've had more time to think about it and study. But this is the prayer I prayed as a child, something like this. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Now, I'll tell you today, I'm a sinner. Not I was. Okay, now I'm a pastor. I'm off to do everything perfectly. That's not me. Okay, still am. But I, I, I prayed this, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I've sinned against you. Thank you. Thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for going to the cross and dying for me. Thank you for enduring the wrath of God on my behalf. I believe that you're risen from the dead, and I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. I believe that you have defeated sin and death. And today I want to turn from my sin and turn to you in faith for my salvation. I pray this in your name. Amen. And so I I put this prayer in front of you. For those of you who are watching this on YouTube, for those of you who may be watching this from Facebook, I put this here for you. Because I I, I believe that there may be one or more people who are watching this right now. There may be one or more of you here this morning. Maybe you've gone to church for a long time. Maybe you've been thinking, I'm a good person. I've... You know, I do, you know, you know I, I do this and I do this and I do this. And it, certainly I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. And nobody goes to heaven because they're a good person. Because if we are flawed, and even, even in one way, we are flawed. And the only person who goes to heaven is the person that Jesus saves. And so today, if you want to put your saving faith in Jesus, I'm going to pray this for you again. And I'm going to try to pray it slowly, line by line. And I would ask you to just close your eyes and pray with me silently between you and God. 
And the really important thing here is the attitude of your heart, not the words that I say or you say. But I'm going to pray this again and give opportunity to anybody today who would like to pray this prayer and put their faith in Jesus. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have sinned against you. Thank you for going to the cross and dying for me. Thank you for enduring the, the, the wrath of God on my behalf. I believe that you are risen from the dead. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. I believe that you have defeated sin and death. Today, I want to turn from my sin to you in faith for salvation. I pray this in your name. Amen. God, right now, I want to pray for anybody who, is, uh, who may have prayed today, who today may have put their faith in you in whatever way they did it. And uh, I just want to pray that you will help them to find a really good church. I pray that you would surround them with some really good friends who will help them get off to a very good start in this new journey of following you. God, help us as a church to support people who make this decision and help them get established in their faith. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Uh, Guys, three things I want you to know. If you prayed that prayer today, well, three things I want you to know and then three things I want you to do. Three things I want you to know, first of all, is this. Your sins are forgiven. You know what that means? There is no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. None, zero, no condemnation. Secondly, nothing and no one can separate you from the love of God. You can't even separate yourself from the love of God. And third, I want you to know this. You are a new creation in Christ. God has begun a good work in you, and he will carry that work all the way through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus when Christ comes again. Three things I want you to do. Number one, I want you to email me, please, at gary at solanavalley.org. It's right there. Okay? So I want you to email me. If you would rather, I would like you to call me. Those of you who are watching this on YouTube, those of you who might be watching this on Facebook, I invite you to call me. Or to text me. And so I'm going to put it out on the World Wide Web. My phone number is 707-290-2485. Call me, please. I want to pray with you. I want to hear about your decision. And I want to help you find some really good connection that will help you get established in your new journey of faith. The other thing I want to encourage you to do, if you're here, please, we would love for you to join us. We want you to join a really, really good church. Uh, In this church, we will love you, we will support you, we will encourage you. We're not a perfect church, I'm not a perfect pastor, but we worship a perfect Savior. Okay? If you live in another community, especially if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're watching this on Facebook, wherever you are, I'd encourage you to plug into a really good church there. All right? But for you guys, I want to invite you to be right here, okay? And uh, And then finally, 
uh, I want to encourage you, uh, those of you who are here, to plug into a really good small group. Now, here's the thing. We have a couple of small group leaders. I'm not sure how many of them are meeting right now. But if you cannot find a group that's open and available for you, I will lead your group. Okay? We'll start it together. We'll get a couple more people to join us. But I want you to get plugged into a group because all of us need each other. All of us need each other to grow in our walk with Jesus. I'll turn over to you guys. Oh, I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. To man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and you put me back together. Now every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Sing it out, guys. There's nothing. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. I'm not afraid show you my weakness My failures and flaws But you sing them all And you still call me friend Cause the God of the mountain Is the God of the valley Your mercy and grace won't find me again. Sing it out. There's nothing. No, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Sing it again. No, there's nothing. Oh, there's You're the only one who can. You turn grace. You turn grace into God. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only. 
everybody hey stick around we have a special guest and a photo booth and don't forget your easter baskets you guys have a great easter <laughs> 